It's a new day, a new month, and most importantly, it's a brand new year. I think it's fair to say that we're all glad to be putting 2020 behind us. And yet, if we're honest, we're all struggling with an uneasiness about the days ahead. What's it going to bring? Will it be better? Will it be worse? Well, this uneasiness is precisely why I chose to feature Operation Smile. Not only because they do tremendous work around the world, but because we all need to be reminded that even when a situation seems absolutely hopeless, there's hope. My two guests today will be joining me from Operation Smile. They'll be telling us about their remarkable work and their efforts to help children around the world, children who suffer from cleft palates and cleft lips. It's a condition that often marginalizes, limits, and steals away a child's confidence. Joining us from Operation Smile, Lisette Campos from Lima, Peru. And then in just a few minutes, we'll have John Streit join us. John will be joining us from headquarters here in the U.S. It's time now to talk about a remarkable transformation, about new beginnings, and about hope restored. On this edition of The Edge of Adventure, podcast and radio show. This is where adventure meets purpose where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Lisette Campos, welcome to the program. Gracias, Adam. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Give us the overview of the wonderful work that Operation Smile does. When people ask me what Operation Smile is, my first answer is that Operation Smile is a family for me. It's a great organization. We do is we try to give a, a normal life to all of our patients and not just them, but also the families. We provide comprehensive care to patients with cleft conditions since they're born in, and in some cases even before that, because Sometimes we know pregnant women who have a confirmed diagnosis of a baby with a cleft condition. So we also provide psychosocial care support to those moms and also the fathers, you know, so that they can understand what the diagnosis is about and what the treatment is about. So Operation Smile is an organization that gives hope to families, you know, in inclusion to the patients. And it's not just about one single surgery. It's about a treatment that we're going to provide for a lifetime because our, our patients not only need the surgical procedures, but also consultations in speech therapy, dental work, you know, pre-surgical and post-surgical. They also need psychosocial care, nutrition, and, and other specialties. And we do this because of the amazing support of our volunteers around the world. Help us understand a cleft condition for those who might not know, what is the condition and what does that mean for the person who has it for their life? So a cleft condition can be um, a cleft lip, which basically means that the lip is open, not because it got open, but because it didn't close properly during the pregnancy. And sometimes it can also include a cleft condition in the palate. It could be a part of the heart palate, which is what we pretty much touch with our tongues, you know, the heart part of our palate. The soft palate can also be affected, which is what allows us to speak. Some of the problems that a cleft condition has is that babies cannot breastfeed correctly. We got to teach the moms, this is done by our speech therapist, our nutritionist, or our nurses, 
that they have to teach the moms how to breastfeed the baby because they need to do it in a different position, not like a baby with a non-cleft condition, you know. That's one of the things that they cannot breastfeed, so they cannot eat correctly. Sometimes the milk comes out of the nose. And also when they're getting older, you know, they, it also affects them, the ability to be able to speak properly. That's because of the, of the palate cleft condition. And of course, the, in terms of like talking to have a, a normal life, you know, kids get bullied, you know, in school, in the cities where they live. So that's why the care that we provide has to be comprehensive and it has to include different specialties. And of course, if the baby cannot be breastfed or cannot eat properly, he or she is going to get malnourished, you know, so that's also risky. And most of the times, some of the patients that show up in our medical programs, you know, they're, they're sick because they don't have enough weight or because of the cleft condition that they have in the lip, you know, the whole mouth, you know, the lip and the palate, they get sick, you know, more frequently than us because the, it's, the whole mouth is kind of like open so they, they can catch um, the flu pretty easily or a cold pretty easily and they have to be in perfect health to go into the operating room. Lisette, then what is Operation Smile able to do for someone like this, a child like this who was born with a cleft condition, all the things that you're discussing, sort of how it affects their life and their health and their well-being and it affects many aspects of their well-being. What is Operation Smile then able to do? What we've been able to do first, you know, like I said, is that we provide hope to the families. And in terms of the treatment, when a patient shows up in one of our medical programs, there's a screening process. The patient is checked by different specialties like plastic surgery, of course, our nurses, the pediatrician, the anesthesiologist, the dentist, the psychologist, the nutritionist and the speech therapist. And they all do this comprehensive assessment. There's also lab work done. And then if the patient is in good health, he or she is going to get into surgery. And after everything is provided for free, we don't charge anything to the patients or their families. And then they normally get hospitalized one day before surgery. Then they go into surgery, let's say tomorrow, Tuesday. And most of the times they get discharged on Wednesday. And we also give them all the medicines that they need when they're going to be discharged. And then they come back for um, a week postal consultation, you know, so we don't abandon them. We do a proper follow-up one week, sometimes two weeks, and then a month after, in some cases, six months, and then a year checkup. So we give them, it's not just about the aesthetic part of the job as in like closing the lip, you know, it's the whole process because they are going to be able to be breastfed. They are going to be able to eat better when the palate is closed because the food won't come out of their nose and they're going to be able to start speaking properly. What would you say the impact is that Operation Smile has around the world? Because one of the things too we need to talk about is the countries and the areas of the world where you guys work. I know it covers the globe, but tell me a little bit about that and, and this impact that the organization has on the lives of these precious, precious people. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, it's a difference is that the impact is kind of like immediate. If a patient has a unilateral cleft lip, which is just one side of the lip with a cleft condition, that surgery can take up to 45 minutes, for example. It will vary depending on the diagnosis of the patient, of course. So we're not only changing the patient's lives, you know, we, we treat babies, but we also treat young adolescents or adults, 
So we do not only change the patients' lives, but also their families and also our volunteers' lives. And I can say that Operation Smile has changed my life in so many ways during these almost 20 years that I've been involved with the organization, that the impact is, you can see it directly in people's lives. You know, everyone who is involved with Operation Smile, medical and non-medical volunteers, besides the patients and their communities, their lives get changed forever. You know, so the impact is pretty big, I say, around the world, because we also train volunteers. We provide training for volunteers who otherwise could not get it. Our patients, you know, they're, they're, when they're little babies, they don't even know what's going on. They might not even remember what happened, right? But the faces in the parents, you know, the mothers and the fathers, or sometimes even the abuelita or abuelito, the grandparents, you know, that you see their eyes and they're changed forever, you know, so... It's really nice to work for an organization that has impact in different people. Tell me also, you keep mentioning volunteers. How much of the organization is volunteer based? Yeah. So we have around 6,000 medical volunteers that help us in different countries. We provide medical programs in, in 35 countries and in Latin America, which is where I'm based, we work in 13 countries. So we have volunteers in all the specialties that I mentioned, you know, like, like nurses, pediatricians, speech pathologists or speech therapists, plastic surgeons, um, maxillofacial surgeons. We also have biomedical engineers who are the ones who provide maintenance for the medical equipment that we bring to the mission sites or to the hospitals that we work with. So they give us their time for free because they also want to give back to the world. They want to help the communities. Uh, patient that was operated as a little baby and then they keep coming back because we provide follow-up care you know because like I mentioned at the beginning a patient with a cleft condition you you don't fix that in just one time you know it's an an ongoing treatment that we need to provide in not only for surgeries because the patient might need more than two surgeries in a lifetime but it's also about the rest of the support you know the consultations that they need to be able to to have a normal life just like you and I. This is The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher, and we're talking today with Lisette Campos. She is the regional director for Operation Smile over the uh, territories Latin America and the Caribbean. Lisette, you have been involved in this organization for a big part of your life. I think it seems that even when you weren't involved formally, you were volunteering, you were doing something to help. Tell me about why this particular organization, this particular need is one that really struck a chord in your own heart and soul. Sure. So yes, Operation Smile has been part of my life for almost 20 years. I'm 41, so basically half of my time and I just fell in love with it. Um, I was an intern at Citibank in 2001, and Operation Smile was one of the special social projects that also included volunteers from, from the corporate sector that would go to the hospitals to, to help our patients. And I just fell in love with it. I think that Operation Smile runs through my veins, and I've experienced so many great moments, you know, moments where you cry because you're just so happy that you just can't handle it. Seeing a, a, a mom in the recovery room after a patient has woken up for, you know, like they leave the operating room, they go into the recovery room, and then they wake up. So our nurses and our pediatric intensivists tell us to bring the mom or the dad, you know, and when, when you see their faces 
when they look at their baby with the lip fixed is just amazing. You know, it doesn't matter if I wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I go to bed at 12 p.m. Not 12 p.m. as in noon, but 12 p.m. as in 11.59. <laughs> so it's, it's all worth it. You know, it's something really great. And like you mentioned, I've worked for the organization for many years, but the years that I didn't work, I still volunteer here in, in Peru where I'm based. And it's just amazing, not just um, to be able to have these great moments with our patients and their families, but also with the great volunteers that we have that come from everywhere in the world and also Peruvian volunteers, of course, and, and the staff that I have the honor to work with. You know, I feel honored to work for an organization that makes a true social impact in the world. And I just want to stay here. I, I feel like this is where I belong. And I'm very proud and privileged to be part of the Operation Smile family. We're talking today about Operation Smile. You can look them up at operationsmile.org. And Lisette Campos is my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure. And tell me, let's talk a minute here about hope lost and then what it's like when these patients and the families that love them so much have hope restored. Yes. Um, many of the times when the, the parents show up to our medical programs, you know, we don't even know if the patient is going to be able to have surgery, right? Because we don't know if he or she is healthy enough to go into the operating room. And sometimes it's even the first time that they're, they're seeing a, a doctor, you know, or a nurse. Because, you know, it's, it varies from region to region and from country to country, of course. But they come into our medical programs all sad, you know, like looking for hope, of course, you know. And then when the, the patients are elected for surgery, when we tell the parents that they have to come back on Monday or Tuesday because they're going to have surgery, it's just incredible. The way that they come and, and hug you, you know, they like, Senorita Lisette, and they hug you and they start crying. Then you just, sorry, I get a little emotional when I talk about this. And I really miss this because of the COVID situation. We're not, we're not able to provide as many surgical programs as before, but we're still doing a lot of great work. So it's just amazing. You know, it, it gives me hope, you know, in, in terms, you know, sometimes our countries are just going through difficult times and remembering these things just make me happy, you know, reminding that we're giving them hope and Right now, we're doing the best we can in different countries. We, we are providing surgeries, you know, and it's not, again, just giving the families hope, but also the people that are around them, because when they go back to their cities, to their communities, it also changes the lives of the people that live there, because they can now see that, that they were not hopeless. They had hope, and it was because of a good cause, and, and that those kids were helped, you know, so they can also become kind of like ambassadors and also tell other families, which is what has happened sometimes because they have already experienced the whole thing and they know that it's true, that this is a condition that it's fixable, that we can do good things for them. Lisette, you mentioned that COVID has had an effect on what Operation Smile has been able to do. And first of all, I just want to encourage you, you know, as COVID passes, you guys are going to get to be able to be back out there providing more procedures. I mean, I, I hear it in your voice. There's pain in your voice when you think about the fact that you've had to postpone that 
you haven't been able to do as much because of COVID. But I know that COVID has affected you guys in a lot of different ways. It's not been good. It's not been good. You're based in Lima, Peru, and that's where you are right now. And COVID hit Lima and and your country of Peru pretty hard. Tell us about that and some of the ways that that it has taken its toll on Operation Smile. Yeah, Peru has definitely been one of the countries that has been hit the most, you know, around the globe. And like I was mentioning, we have a great pool of volunteers in different specialties. And one of our dearest nurse volunteers, he was working in the front line, even when he had the chance not to do it. He said that he wanted to help patients, you know, that this was his mission. You know, he needed to serve patients and he worked in a hospital in Lima But unfortunately, he got the COVID-19 and then he got really sick and he couldn't make it. So he he passed away a few months ago. And, you know, he's kind of like a hero for our team here in Peru and also around the globe because he could have stayed home. They gave him a chance, you know, because he was part of the vulnerable population. And he said, like, no, I'm going to stay here. This is what I do. This is where I belong. I'm going to help my patients. And I'm pretty sure that because of him, a lot of people were able to live, you know, because of the care that he provided. He was very passionate about the work that he did, you know. And like you said, Adam, COVID has hit most of our countries, you know, all of our countries. And we have to stop doing medical missions the way that we did in the past, you know, because for during screening days, we could get 200 or 300 people. And now we cannot do that. So what we're doing now is we're, doing elective surgeries, you know, like we call them like scheduled surgeries in partnerships with hospital, but also during the very hard pandemic times, we helped our volunteers providing donations of PPE to the volunteers that help operations mal and also to the partner hospitals or other hospitals that were in need of, of PPE because they didn't have enough. So we have not stopped working, you know, we, we, we started doing things differently, but we always took care of our of our people, you know, donating, like I said, like personal protective equipment to different hospitals around the countries where where we work because our volunteers have done so much for us and our partner hospitals as well that we needed to to give back to them. And, you know, and we're always going to be very grateful for all the health personnel that is still working in the front line and, and the people that even they don't work in the, in the front line, you know, but they're still risking their lives because they work in hospitals that treat COVID patients. So, but it's getting better. It's getting better every day. And little by little, we're going to be able to provide more surgeries to our patients. Lisette Campos is my guest today here on the edge of adventure. And she's joining us from operation smile. And she is in Lima, Peru right now as we conduct this interview and and talk to her and get to know her heart and the heart of this precious organization. So, Lisette, I believe that this calling that you have on your life started maybe early, right? I think early in your life, there was something that happened that made a very big impression on you. And it was sort of this contrast between compassion and lack of compassion, you know, with the difference between maybe making fun of someone with this condition versus having compassion on them. Tell us about that. I was fascinated to read a little bit about it, but your experience as a young girl. 
when I was about maybe between six, eight and six and eight years old, I lived in another district still in Lima, but it was a district, you know, like I had everything, you know, like I lived in a house, I had food, clothing, everything, but very close to my house, there was an, like an, like an empty area where some families that didn't have shelter would move in into that area and they would have homes built out of wood. You know, they were very, very poor families, you know, and it was very close to my house. So of course there were kids and we would play with them. You know, my, my parents have always taught me to play with anyone, you know, and one of those days I saw a kid, a boy who had a scar in the lip. I had never seen someone with, with that. And when he started talking, I could barely understand what he was saying, but that didn't matter to me. I kept playing, you know, and then when I got back home, I told my mom about this and she was the one who told me what a cleft condition was. And she said, like, Lisette, he's a normal kid, just like you are. I was never like afraid or anything. I was just surprised because I was saying something different, you know, and, and my mom told me, you know, just keep playing with him. He's just normal. He probably needs more surgeries, you know, but he's, he's going to be fine. So I, that always kind of like stayed in my heart, you know, and then in 2001, when, when I got involved with operations mal here in Peru and I saw so many kids, you know, in, in one of our medical programs, I was like, this is the same, you know, they, these kids have, what that kid had when I was really, you know, really young, I was just a little girl. So, and like I said, I fell in love with the organization and, and, that's why I'm here, you know, try to do my best. You know, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm a business administrator by, by career, but I'm very, very passionate for the social work that we do. Look at the beautiful baby. <laughs> so sweet. Absolutely. For those of you who are listening to the audio version of this program, and by the way, I've said it before, I am a radio guy by trade. So I, I love the podcast and the radio show. But if, if you, haven't, I recommend that you also pop over to theedgeofadventure.com and or look us up on social media, whatever. Connect with us and you can see this this podcast. You can see the video version. And in particular today, being able to share some of these pictures. Pictures are worth a thousand words. We've heard that expression before. That's always the case. But especially in these cases where you're able to see in a picture that contrast between hopelessness and hope. And I think if for anybody that looks at these pictures or goes and looks at operationsmile.org, look them up online, get to know them, you'll understand why they have such a passion for this, why Lisette has such a passion for it. So, okay, Lisette, now it's time to kind of move into the part of the program where I, I like to ask questions that might I don't know, might get a little bit more deep. I don't know. You answer this any way you want to. But somebody sure. who has seen as much as you've seen, you've worked as hard as you've worked, you've cared as much as you've cared in your experience. And as you do this, what's the part that breaks your heart? The part that breaks my heart is when we have more patients that show up to our medical programs then we can actually provide care for because we have the partnerships with the hospitals and we have a limit of a number of patients that we could operate within a week, depending on if the medical program lasts three, four, five, six days. And when 
the patients are healthy enough to get into the operating room, but there are just more than we can help. It just breaks my heart because it means that they got to keep waiting, you know. But because we have a very strong psychosocial care program, our volunteers do keep giving hope, you know, talking to their parents and letting them know that this is is not one medical program that we do per year. You know, we do it on a, on a regular basis, you know, and they just need to be a little bit more patient. But it's just hard, you know, when when you can provide surgery to 120 kids and then 400 show up. It's like, what, what are we going to do? You know, how, how can we help them? So it's just hard, you know. I feel more comfortable now telling those parents that they can wait, you know, that nothing bad is going to happen to the kids that when I started almost 20 years ago, you know, like in those moments, every time I needed to tell a parent, you got to wait, I just broke, you know, like I couldn't handle it because it was just very sad. Um, but now I think that because of the, the psychosocial care that we provide, it's a little less painful, but it's still painful, you know, like seeing all those, those kids, you know, because the lip is what you can see, but sometimes we have patients that, are born with a normal lip, but they have the palate, the cleft palate. So that also needs to be fixed. Sometimes people just think that, you know, the condition is only if you have a, the lip open, but it's not like that. You can have a normal lip and might still need surgery for the palate. So, and that's why we, we got to keep providing, you know, follow-up care to our patients because a baby can have a cleft, a lip condition, and then the next year they're going to come back for the palate surgery. So, but, you know, like the seeing all these pictures makes me, makes me happy. You know, I've always said that our patients are, are beautiful, you know, even when it doesn't matter if they're not operated on or if they've operated on, they're all beautiful to me because you see the look in their eyes and it's, you know, they're, they don't know what's going on. They, they're normal kids. So that's, that's amazing. Lisette, how does the organization, how do you guys make this happen do you, are you raising the funds to do this? Do you need funds and volunteers? Tell me about what you guys need in order to continue providing these procedures and hopefully as COVID clears to be able to provide more than ever. It all started because of Dr. Bill McGee and Kathy McGee, his wife, because back in 1982, they traveled to the Philippines and then they realized that there was such a huge need that when they returned to the United States, to Virginia, they, they wanted to do something to help these kids. So it started in Asia and then little by little, it grew into the other regions. And what we do is, yes, of course, we work with different donors, you know, corporations, individual giving. We also do fundraising events because the care that we provide to our patients is free. We don't charge them. And each of our countries also do their own fundraising activities. Of course, we raise funds from the U.S. and we support the countries that we work with. There's a huge component in like, uh, you know, before COVID, we were able to fly volunteers to the countries. Right now, that's not possible. So the volunteers give us their time for free, but they don't need to pay for anything. You know, we cover all those expenses. And of course, we need to raise funds to be able to do that. You know, patients also do not pay. If the hospitals charge us for some things, we are the ones who pay. Operation Smile is the organization that pays for everything. So we count on, like I said, with support from companies and support from people like you and I. Well, we're talking today with Lisette Campos, I think another angel 
who works with Operation Smile. She's based out of Lima, Peru, joining us from Lima for this podcast and this radio program. Lisa, it's been really great. I mean, there's so much to talk about. You guys are doing amazing work. And I know you in particular, you're over Latin America and um, the Caribbean. And what I would like to do is actually, if you're up for it, I'd love to have you come back on the show. And I'd love to, to do an interview in Spanish and, and share sure. this information with that our... Okay, let's we have, do that. We have a lot of, of supporters from the Hispanic community, not just in the U.S., but in other countries. And I think it would be really nice to be able to have an interview in Spanish so that they can listen to it. All right, let's do that. We'll uh, be in touch and set up another time to have that interview because I think that would be very important. And it's such a beautiful thing that you do. And I want to be able to share that with nuestra gente también. So um, my final question, I guess, as we wrap up the final or next to the last question is why, why said, why are you so passionate about this? It's something that just comes out naturally, you know, like, um, and I'm very passionate for, for social work and everything that we do in Operation Smile, changing so many lives. And like I said, my own life gets changed every day. It's just amazing. The impact that we have over so many people is just amazing. And I feel grateful to work with, with this organization, you know, Operación Sonrisas, how we call it in Spanish, because I've had the chance to meet such great people, you know, patients, volunteers. I've had the opportunity to work in Operation Smile in Virginia in headquarters. And I even had my birthday is in June and I've received calls from patients from Peru saying feliz cumpleaños when I was there, patients that didn't even have a phone, you know, they, they called the office in Peru and said like, can you please get me Señorita Lisette's number? And they called me to say feliz cumpleaños, happy birthday. I was like, that's like priceless, you know, I'm talking, you know, years before WhatsApp and social media, you know, where you actually had to pick up the phone to call someone and they even had to buy prepaid phone cards, go to the pay phone. This is what, you know, like I, I don't work for this, but this type of experience show me that my, you know, that I've had an impact in their lives because they remember me. I've known patients for 19, 20 years. I met them when they were little. The first time that I received a phone call from a mom who called me and said, Señorita Lisette, Ale, which is a patient, you know, she got into university. I was like, oh, my God. You know, a, a kid that I know when she was very little, she's now in going to college. And we made this happen. And she called me to thank me. And I'm like, this is not me. You know, this is a group of people that do this. But it was just one of the things, you know, and she has already because she she became a patient when she was a young girl. So. She's already an architect, you know, she graduated from college. How amazing is that? You know, and it's, it's just to prove the, the other patients or the other parents that this is a condition that is fixable, you know, and me being able to still get in touch with some of, of the families, you know, like today, for example, a, a parent from a patient of Mexico was sending me a message through Facebook, you know, asking how I was doing because he heard that the situation in Peru was still pretty bad. These are things that, you know, like, they're priceless, you know, to me. I, I feel very honored to be part of the Upsmile family. Well, you and the team are all doing amazing work, and it's inspirational to see. And what an honor to get to share a little bit about it on the program today. What else does the audience in this family that 
follows the edge of adventure. What else do we need to know about Operation Smile and how can we help? Well, thank you for the opportunity, Adam. And I think like for people that have heard about Operation Smile or about deaf condition for the very first time, if you know a patient anywhere that needs help, just reach out to us. We do get emails and phone calls from people who have even traveled, you know, and they suddenly saw a patient with a cleft condition, so they refer them to us. And if the patient is based in Mexico, I'm going to put you in contact with our team in Mexico. If the patient is based in Morocco, we're going to put you in contact with the team in Morocco. So it doesn't matter where you see a patient, just help us spread the world and, you know, let people know that this condition is something that we can help with and try to help as more patients as as we can. Well, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks for your passion and your compassion. And it's definitely been an honor and a, a real privilege for me to get to spend this time with you, Elisette. And again, I'm going to hold you to that. We're going to have that Spanish interview. We'll uh, be back in touch and set up a time to do that. Sure. And I have to do that too, because my friends in Latin America that know I speak Spanish and I have somebody on that speaks Spanish, they will scold me and they'll say, you got to, what are you doing? You got to have an interview in Spanish. So uh, we'll come back and, and do that at another time in the days ahead very, very soon. In the meantime, I just want to encourage everybody to reach out to operationsmile.org. That's operationsmile.org. You can also look them up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You'll find them under Operation Smile and connect with them. Reach out and encourage them. If today the interview meant something to you, reach out and encourage them. Let them know that you saw it and that you saw Lisette and you were uh, impressed by her passion and compassion and just by everything that the organization is doing. Encourage them, offer to help somehow. And Lisette also mentioned if you need or know of someone that needs to be referred to the organization, to Operation Smile, please do that as well. So definitely check them out operationsmile.org. Lisette, thank you again for your time. Thanks for all you're doing. I look forward to our Spanish interview in the days ahead. And in the meantime, continue to stay safe. And thanks for what you do. Gracias. Thank you very much, Adam, for this opportunity to let people know about Operation Smile and you know whatever we can do for, for patients around the world. We're here to do that. Muchas gracias. John Streit joining us now from Operation Smile. John, thanks for being a part of the program today. Thank you for having me, Adam. Listen, I have already been very, very impressed with Operation Smile. We, of course, we've had this wonderful conversation with Lisette, and she's given us so much perspective on what you guys do around the world. But I want to start by just asking you a very simple question. What drew you to Operation Smile? Why are you involved? You know, I'd say the nonprofit world isn't one that I had originally sought out to be a part of, but um, I followed a, uh, a unique opportunity that led to me being in this role and to find a new wheelhouse, so to speak, that I never even knew was there. But uh, I guess going back, you know, I've always had a um, attraction to being a part of things that are bigger than myself and giving back. So, you know, paired that with uh, my freelance journalism career and just, you know, having that kind of journalist ethos at my heart as well, when it came to my professional work really is, uh, you know, fulfilling that part of me that wants to give of myself and, and use my 
ability to drive a mission forward and to help people. And, um, you know, obviously through Operation Smile, what we learned through Lizette, um, and she's so wonderful, but <laughs> just being able to have that opportunity has been a, a really special thing, but uh, it's just been an incredible opportunity personally. But I mean, to me, I'd much rather, you know, take a step back and, and just recognize it for what it is that I'm able to take my unique skill set and experience and apply it to something that's uh, improving the lives of people that um, really need this help. You're making a very good point, right? That you can serve an organization like Operation Smile or any number of organizations out there. You can serve them and not necessarily have to be on the ground in these locations. There are people who are called to that. There are people who have the skill set and that's their job. But then there's a lot of us who might be able to do something to help with our own skill set, with our own experience and from where we are. So I guess you must find yourself in that. I know you've done some traveling with them. I know you've been on site, but as you work from headquarters for Operation Smile, it's different than, than the doctors and the nurses who are on site in these countries, but it is still very important. And I just want the audience to kind of pull from that and glean from that because sometimes in their own lives, it's very easy to think somebody else has to do that. Somebody else needs to do that. What can I do? I only know how to do this. When yeah. hang on a second, there might be a very real place for that skill set in some area of service somewhere. You're a writer, let's talk about that for a second. I, to make sure. sure we establish here that for Operation Smile, you're the managing editor and writer, which means you're good with words. It means you know how to put something down on paper, create content that does what, John? Well, the main objective of, of our content is to you know inspire people to be a part of, of our organization. Like you just said, what can we do in the places we sit to be a part of change and, and to be a part of an organization that can bring healing and, and just help to people all over the world? From what I'm able to do, uh, really the content that we produce fuels fundraising and our development teams. So being able to create that story and to you know bring the perspective of our patients and of our volunteers to the forefront so that we're able to make these genuine connections and these empathetic connections that you know bring people not only an understanding of what we do but a true connection a true feeling that they can see themselves in these stories and that they can relate to them i often talk about you know using human threads to weave our stories and that's just kind of at the core of our storytelling strategy and, and what we want to do, uh, leading with people first and especially our patients, uh, because, you know, they're overcoming tremendous adversity, even just to be able to arrive to a place where we're providing care, whether that be a short term medical program or at one of the many uh, uh, clinics that we have around the world. Just the sheer level of perseverance is so inspiring. And that's kind of the the tools I like to work with when it comes to writing copy, telling stories and, and helping to produce uh, the videos and all the content that goes into fundraising and, and development. You had the opportunity to travel with Operation Smile. You've been on the ground. You've been a part of the storytelling. And those of us who are in the marketing business, that term means something, right? We think of it sure. as storytelling. We know what that means because it's not just about putting out the information about what a company does or what an organization does. It's about conveying the truth behind the story. That's right. 
And I know that that's a gift that you have. But what I want to get at here, my question really goes to this. You have seen the work of Operation Smile. You've seen it firsthand. You were a part of it. You've seen cultures. You've learned some lessons along the way. What were some of the things that you learned? Maybe you didn't expect to learn, but you came back reflecting on it. And you said, you know what? These are some things that I think all of us need to keep in mind. The thing I learned the most is just to approach, you know, telling stories with just humility, humility. Um, I think some of the things that I've learned is just witnessing our families and parents that are bringing their children to receive care and just really recognizing that they're going through this just, you know, time of tremendous uncertainty, anxiety, fear, and it's a fragile moment. And um, I think that's just what makes it so important to just be a real and true empath and to really try to be alongside and listen and lean into people and their stories rather than pushing some sort of agenda. So you said it marketing, right? Again, you can talk about it tactically and um, it's about raising money so that we can continue to extend our impact and continue to provide this care. But really it's so much more meaningful than that. Um, these are people's true live stories and there doesn't need to be any more than what's in front of you when it comes to what they're bringing to the table in terms of just the barriers to receiving care that they're um, encountering often. When I hear the things that people are going through, like maybe walking for miles and miles for hours and hours to reach a bus station, even uh, spending days in travel and really, you know, it takes a big hit on their resources and, it's just such a humbling experience. And really in my position, I just try to truly just listen and be present and really be mindful of how we can line the story up in a way that connects people to what they're going through rather than create division or this or that kind of a construct, you know, when, when we're reading things. So you're listening to The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. John Streit from Operation Smile is on the program. This part of the program, of course, we've also spoken with Lisette Campos from Operation Smile. A lovely, lovely lady. Just huge heart. I just love her so much. And we also, though, wanted to get your perspective, John, because everybody's perspective is different and everybody's perspective is important. And I know that you have a unique position too in helping to communicate these things to the world out there to communicate the heart of operation smile so what might you say the heart of operation smile is what's the most important message that you guys are delivering that people you know aren't alone that there are people in this world that truly care and want to help. And those people are all around us, yet that spirit is rare. So that makes these stories really special. But I think the heart of the organization is uh, just being there uh, for people, uh, making sure that we're supporting people with the help that they need. In our case, uh, very tangibly, you know, our, our expertise is, is very deep in treating cleft lip and cleft palate. And many times that results in some really painful social stigma 
um, people being ostracized and kind of pushed to the margins of um, already marginalized communities, which is um, it can be a very precarious and dangerous, frankly, place to be. And um, we offer that hope in addition to the healing, you know, and it's not just through one surgery, it's through the whole course of care that we're able to offer from speech therapy, because a lot of these are orofacial conditions. So it impacts your speech and uh, it takes years of, of therapy to get through that. So that's really our um, in dentistry, orthodontics, all the things that go along with um, treating a whole patient. So that's what we offer. We're there for people and alongside people. And, you know, honestly, obviously we're in this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and um, that caring hasn't stopped during that. In fact, our teams uh, in places uh, like Peru, where, where Lizette's from, um, they've just proven over and over again that their drive to be there and to be there for our patients with the care they need and the attention that they need. Nothing can hold it back. Nothing has held it back. So I think that's the, the real heart. So, John, tell us the difference between empathy and pity. And I picked that up, actually, yeah. from reading your article that was written and is available through medium.com. And I'm going to actually put, if you're listening to this or watching this now in the description, go just look in the description. You'll find the link to his article is very well done and it'll also help you get to know more about operation smile. So I think it's a great place to start as well. Of course, you can also look them up directly at operation But in that article, you, you went into this concept about empathy being better or more appropriate than pity, but tell the listeners now, what, what's the difference between the two? Pity is a very isolating kind of place to put somebody. Um, it, it can really erode at, at someone's dignity and really kind of objectify them almost into a place where they're defined by what brings them suffering. So, and, and you know, I always say our choices of words matter a lot and how we frame and position um, people within stories has a big impact on how they'll be perceived within the story. So if we're using arbitrary terms like calling people or communities poor um, or even it, it may be seen as innocuous as, as saying, you know, someone is needy, but we're placing labels on people. And when you do that, you're trying to elicit this feeling that we should be feeling sorry for them. And that's just, I feel like totally counter to the spirit of our organization and totally counter to the care that our volunteers and that our staff are delivering in the world. So um, empathy differs from that because we're just trying to find those common human elements that bring us all together, whether we're, you know, a family in the United States that's learning about Operation Smile for the first time. We want to show that there's a common human experience here and People are, are fighting for their families and people are doing everything they can for their children. And that transcends any socioeconomic difference, any real or perceived or constructed difference that we have among one another. Um, those kind of things completely wipe it out. It totally levels the playing field. And then people can start to see themselves uh, within our patients and their stories. And that's when you can really tap into effective 
storytelling where you are bringing people into the mission in such a personal way that it almost makes it impossible for them not to be inspired to be a part of it, but in the complete opposite way where you're not eliciting negative feelings or, or guilt or any of these other uh, really negative things. Rather, you're inspiring people to help and, and to bring about change in a way where we're alongside rather than on the outside looking in. Another thing, pulling from the article that you wrote, stereotypes. I know that they exist for a reason because sure. we, get, we fall into thinking that the things are always this way. But how are they really dangerous? How are they hurting us when we fall victim to believing a stereotype? I love that you said that because dangerous is the first word that comes to mind with stereotypes or you know, sweeping generalizations of any sort. Usually stereotypes are rooted in false narratives about cultures and about people and, and about how you know, lifestyle may differ from what one is familiar with. And I think when you paint with such a broad stroke, anytime that's dangerous because you're marginalizing entire groups of people and um, you know, just really damaging individual dignity in that way. So I feel like that's the dangerous part. It's just something that I think as nonprofit storytellers and, and people who are in nonprofit marketing, be very aware of and cognizant of that, um, you know, we don't want to be portraying people in that monochromatic sort of way, um, really challenging any stereotypes or, or uh, implicit bias one has going into a situation and just really taking that as an opportunity to dive deeper and understand the nuance of people's lives, understand the nuance of their particular situation, granted within a broader context. But if we can understand the nuance and detail of every individual story, there's going to be immense beauty, depth, and just an engaging story to come from it. Talking today with John Streit of Operation Smile. He's the managing editor and writer, and he's uh, coming to us today from the general area of headquarters. We know that COVID has created a completely different type in working environment with so many people working uh, remotely. But John's here in the States. And of course, we talked earlier in this program with Lisette and Lisette was joining us from the office in Lima, Peru. So the great thing about this program, and I guess what I love so much about it is the opportunity to talk to people all around the world. And with this technology we've got now, we're able to do that in, in short order and connect with the different people at different times and, and share the opportunity. It's just, it's really inspirational. And then to get to talk about Operation Smile. And as you all have gotten to know this organization, as you'll continue to do so, you're going to check out their website, operationsmile.org, operationsmile.org. I think you're going to find it very, very inspirational. I mean, this is doing something that matters so very much for people who might otherwise not have the opportunity for that kind of hope. Tell me, though, what keeps you going personally? You are in this. You love working for Operation Smile. Uh, we all have good days and bad days. But what is it that brings it back for you when you're like this? This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, it's a pretty simple answer. It's it's people and, and it's and it's helping kids and families, not just children, but people who may have been living with untreated cleft conditions for you know, into their adulthoods. Um, it really, for me personally, 
to be able to draw back on the experiences uh, that I've had meeting many of our patients and their families, whether it be in Colombia, Ghana, or India. I just keep that close to my heart and think about, you know, being with them during that, these moments in their lives that, you know, we talk about transformation a lot and um, there's no doubt that that's true, but to, to truly witness it, to see a family come in and just to read their body language and, and to listen and understand the anxiety, fear, doubt, um, exhaustion, frankly, too. Um, and then to see that slowly through the course of a medical program completely change at the end of it when, they're, when their child's received the care that they need into hope, optimism, um, energy, pure energy. I think of those moments, I keep them close to my heart and anytime, you know, we all have our moments in the course of our work or, you know, we have to dig deep and uh, could be a volume of work or, or a particular bad day. But uh, that's really what keeps me grounded and, and keeps me focused is um, th thinking of that we can bring that to more people. John Streit from Operation Smile, getting close to the end of the program, but time for a couple more questions here. Uh, John, what would you say is a lesson that Operation Smile, meaning the whole experience, everything that you guys do, what would be a lesson that we could learn out here? Not you guys. You guys are, you guys are dealing with this on a daily basis. Those of us who are outside of the organization, what could we stand to learn? I think we can just learn that if we have a heart and if we can open up our hearts and really find empathy and to find what brings us all together as, as human beings, um, we can understand that by taking action, we can create change in the world that we wish to see. And uh, I think that's the lesson that our organization and, and many others around the world that are in our space can teach people, you know, our organization definitely offers that really, really tangible avenue to really improve people's lives in such a profound way. And like I said before, not just one single surgery, but to provide healing and hope over the course of the long term through the different types of services that we provide. We're just really excited and, and always eager to bring more people onto this journey so that they can witness it for what it is. It, it is amazing. It's um, such transcendental work that happens here. And I think what people can take away from it is that anyone can be a part of this. Um, it, it, anybody can, uh, can join and create change and help people. How can we help? What are the ways that the audience, the followers of uh, The Edge of Adventure, or anyone out there, how can we be a part of what you guys are doing? Absolutely. Um, I'd invite everybody to uh, just, you know, learn more about us. Go to operationsmile.org and uh, learn more about our patients and their families and their stories and uh, lean into those and understand and try to empathize with those situations um, with their situations. And I think the most immediate way is um, through donations, of course. I mean, it, every last cent makes a huge difference and enables our teams around the world to be able to do the work that they do. So on that level, that's what 
you know, you could definitely do to, to help, but also just be, I think it offers people a chance to be advocates for those who are marginalized that, that are in these positions and just to understand that there's a way to help and a, and a way to advocate and to understand that we can bring change to this world in a very real way through that. So, and again, uh, we're in kind of a, uh, really transitional time right now with COVID-19 and battle and, you know, just kind of grappling with the effects of that, you know, the way we deliver care will likely look different in the future. Uh, in, you know, obviously any context of medical care is, is changing fast and we're going to have to learn and adapt from that. But the more specialized one uh, becomes with uh, their medical expertise, there's a, a wide range of um, medical volunteer positions too. There are ways to get involved with that. And um, that information is also on our website. So I would invite people in that field to explore and look and to consider giving in that way as well. And then also we have really wonderful student programs that offer young people a chance to advocate for safe surgery and for our patients and uh, for our organization. And that just is such a grassroots and foundational movement that is really represents the future of our organization and, and what we're trying to achieve. Um, so there's really many, many ways. I just invite people to give us a look and, and open up your heart to what we're doing. Well, thank you, John. Proud to know you, proud to know and to have learned so much more about what Operation Smile does. You guys are awesome. I already knew that right before I <laughs> talked to you and Lisette, but it became pretty clear as I talked to you guys just what a quality organization you are. So keep up the great work. Thank you for your time today. And if we can ever help you guys in some way, please let us know. Well, your support means uh, so much to us. And I just thank you for giving us the opportunity to share. You bet, John. John Strite has been my guest today here on The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher, and I would like you to go to this website. You need to check out is operationsmile.org, operationsmile.org. And it's been great to spend some time with John and also with Lisette earlier in the program. Great people doing great things. We appreciate everybody who tuned in. Do us a favor, share it out. Help them tell their story by sharing it out on social media and and so forth. So anyway, John, God bless you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. Thanks everybody for listening. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo. Beyond status quo.